The message today is called A Stretch of Faith. I want to begin in Luke chapter 6, verse 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. And a man there uh, was there whose right hand was withered. Jesus went into their place of worship. And there He found a man who had a withered hand. It was drawn back. He was not using that hand anymore. You know that God gave us hands that we might give, that we might serve, that we might assist and extend unto others. He has called us to serve others. Yet unfortunately, there are many people who have been hurt in the past or have been taken advantage of by others or simply not trusting of anyone now so that now they have drawn back. So many people today, in a sense, have withered hands and are no longer extending to give or to serve others. Many have been wounded while serving, hurt while extended, burned and taken advantage of while they were vulnerable. And there are even more people who have yet to come to the Lord. They remain drawn back, skeptical, maybe hurt, maybe wounded. They don't trust others who talk about a God who is love. A God who forgives. A God who doesn't turn us away no matter what we have done. A God who redeems. A God who restores. And a God who gives purpose. Yes, there are many today throughout the world who remain drawn back. For one reason or the other. For all of these instances, Jesus approaches this man with a withered hand. Luke 6, verse 7. So the scribes and Pharisees watched Jesus closely. Whether He would heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against Him. Unfortunately, the world today is full of these kinds of people as well. Accusers. Those who are quick to judge. There are many, even within Christian circles, who are critical who judge, who are quick to pounce on any fault, but who think they can hide their own misgivings at the same time. They may seem spiritual and full of knowledge, but do you know what the Bible says about knowledge? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Edifies means it builds up. We must continually check our, all of our motives to make sure that they line up with God's will, which is all done out of love. Luke 6, verse 8. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Notice that Jesus' focus was not on those who stood in the way. He didn't waste his time and energy on a debate. He was focused on the need. Jesus called the man to arise, to step up, 
and to separate Himself from the crowd. When we come to Jesus for salvation, for forgiveness, for healing, and for direction, we need to step up too. We need to no longer be influenced by the naysayers. Those with critical spirits. Those who stand in judgment. We need to want our healing and want the truth. And want Jesus to speak directly to us. This man with a withered hand surely wanted all these things from Jesus. For he arose and stood before Him. Luke 6, verse 9. Then Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy? You see, Jesus had an amazing way of confronting opposition and critical spirits. If we could just learn this one lesson that He did. He wouldn't argue with them like we too often do today. He would simply ask them a question. Throw out a bone so they could kind of chew on it. And while they were busy trying to answer that question in their logic, Jesus just continued with the situation at hand and brought healing to whomever was in need. Luke 6.10 And when Jesus had looked around at them all, He said to the man, stretch out your hand. What a critical juncture this was for the man. In order to acquire his own healing, he had to stretch out his hand first, that withered hand, the one that was drawn back. He would have to push through many things before reaching out that hand. He would have to push through doubt since his hand hadn't functioned properly for a long time. He would have to push through his own logic. How could this be possible? His hand is withered and it does not work. He would have to push through fear. What if he trusted Jesus and it didn't work? He surely was tempted with this thought. He would have to push through shame. Just how much shame had he internalized about himself being judged by others around him? He would have to push through pain. To start using new muscles again, it would require some effort on his part. In other words, to secure his healing, he would have to trust Jesus enough to make a stretch of faith pushing through doubt, logic, fear, shame, and pain. It's the same exercise that we all go through each time we come to Jesus for salvation, for forgiveness when we have erred, and we all do, for direction, and for healing. It's a choice that, like this man, We all have to make for ourselves. We need to push through doubt. And we all have doubt. It's not a sin to have doubt, but we need to push through it. 
We need to push through logic. I know many people do not come to Jesus because it doesn't make sense in their mind, but it's not supposed to make sense here in our heart. And so we have to push through logic. We have to push through fear. Many times we have to push through shame because all of us sin. All of us blow it. All of us condemn ourselves. We have to push through pain. Expecting Jesus to carry this load that we've been carrying all of our lives. We have to make a stretch of faith to connect with Jesus. Luke 6.10 He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. We can all be encouraged that Jesus will meet us at our need if we are willing to make a stretch of faith. After all, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, our Bible verse for today, is, tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is more than a Bible verse. This is more than a story about a man with a withered hand. I'm going to share with you a story that happened in my life when I was with my wife and my daughter. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. And it's so incredulous, it sounds like I'm making up. I promise you I'm not. So many years ago, I was at a football game at our high school, where I went to high school. And I brought our daughter, who was just really young. I didn't even know how old she was at that time, probably four or five. And we were sitting in the stands. And, and back then, you know, starting out, we didn't have a lot of money. Almost all of our money we paid to, to get into the game. Didn't have a lot of money. And so uh, we got out of the game, and Allison wanted a popcorn. And so I bought, we bought her popcorn, went and sat down, and started eating popcorn. And she said, Daddy, I'm thirsty. Can you go get me a pop? Sure, honey, I'll do whatever I can. So I, I got up, and as I'm walking down the stands, I reach in my pocket, and all I have is a quarter. Now, I went to the high school. I've been to games all the time. I know there's nothing you can get for a quarter at the concession stand. I know a pop is 50 cents. Sure, honey, I'll get you a pop. I didn't want to upset my little daughter, you know. So I walk down. As I'm starting to walk away, quietly in my head, I say, God, I need a quarter. It's a big God, right? Just a quarter. Of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to walk down. I walk underneath the stands because I'm sure people are going to drop stuff down under the stands, right? So I go down under the stands and walk the whole stands. I'm picking up like hot dog wrappers and pop and canton all the way through. Nothing. No money anywhere. I got mustard and ketchup all over my hands. Nothing. So I just keep on walking. I said, God, I need a quarter. And I kept on walking. And I, again, I went to high school there. I was class president. And I teach in the district now. I know people all over the place. I figure I'm going to run into someone I know and I say, hey, can I have a quarter? I walked all the way through the whole crowd of people. I get to the, to the line, never ran to anybody I knew. So I stand in line now, and there's three lines. I'm in the middle line. There's these concrete railings between us. I'm standing in line. I'm standing there, and I'm saying, God, I could really use that quarter about now. And I'm looking, and I look at the, I look at the menu up there, the board. There's nothing you could buy for a quarter. If God doesn't deliver by the time I get to the front, I'm going to say hi and turn around and go back to my seat. So I'm standing there. 
I have, 20, I have a quarter in my hand. I need another quarter. God, please give me a quarter. And I'm standing there, and uh, all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see something on the ground and the other right under the other railing. And I look, and it's a nickel. <laughs> so I left it there. God, I need a quarter. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And there's now there's two people in front of me. I got nothing yet. All of a sudden, there's two people in front of me. One person turns around and he, she says, he says, turns around to me and he says, is this yours? And I look and it's a dime. And I said, uh, okay. I took the dime out of their hand. They're paying. They're paying right now. And as I'm about ready to step up, honest to God truth, as I'm stepping up, right across my eye level, there's this silver streak. Go right across my eye level. And I look under the other rail, and it's a dime. And I reach under here, and I pick up this dime. And I reach back over here, and I pick up this nickel. And I slam the 50 cents on the counter, and I say, I'll have a Coke! And I said, okay. <laughs> True story. I was so excited. I came back. I'm surprised I didn't spill all the pop on the way back to tell them the story. Why do I say all this? Because God taught me a lesson. And as a pastor, a lot of times God puts me through things so I can use myself as an example. Was it a miracle that someone was healed? Listen, there's, there's no comparison in heaven. Just like one sin or a thousand sins keeps us out of heaven unless we come to Jesus Christ. One miracle, whatever, as long as that meets the need. And so God told me these three things, these, the things I want you to know. He said, first you have to believe. If I would have stayed in my seat and rested on my own logic and doubt and fear, I never would have left my seat. I would have missed one of the greatest miracles that I got to have to experience in my entire life. I've seen God do many amazing things. But for me, if I would have stayed in my seat, if my logic would have kept me in my seat, I never would have believed. The man with the withered hand, it didn't just heal. He had to stretch it out first before it was healed. When things were going difficult in our life and, and, and things were coming against us, we had to come up here and, and apply for this job before God turned our life around. It doesn't, things don't just change while we sit there. God says, you first have to believe me at, your, at my word. And so I believed him. I didn't know how he was going to do it. And many times we have our own conceived notions of how God's going to bless us, right? God, I need a quarter. I'm just going to go find it on my own on the ground. It wasn't there. But I kept walking. And so if we believe God as Word, we'll keep walking. Well, the next thing that he told me is something you've got to believe, but some things you've got to retrieve. That nickel over there, I had to go get that one. Sometimes there's something that we need to do to bring that miracle about. What might that be? Sometimes that thing is that we need to forgive someone. Sometimes our own unforgiveness is holding that miracle back from us. Sometimes I might just need to go serve someone unconditionally without expecting anything in return. There are some things that we need to do, not just wait for God to bless us. So we believe some things we retrieve. That third thing is some things we need to receive. Are you too proud to receive from others? Are you too proud to let someone do something for you without thinking you have to pay them back in return? 
If someone's greatest gift is to give and you think you have to pay them back, you cancel out that gift. We can't be too proud to not receive. We have to believe. Some things we have to retrieve. Some things we have to receive. And if we've done all that, then sometimes we wait for a miracle to be conceived. I still, if it hadn't happened to me, I don't know if I'd believe it. The nickel on the ground that someone turned around and saying, it's yours. How could that have been mine? You're ahead of me. She didn't just say, do you want this? She said, is this yours? You know what? I believe God told that person to turn around and give that one to me. Then that last, that miracle that was conceived when that dime flew across eye level so I could see it, we believe and trust God at His Word, even when it doesn't make sense. I know many times, because of our own logic, we don't trust in Jesus. Whether it's for salvation, whether it's for healing, whether it's to, to renew a relationship, whether it's to provide new direction in our life, we need to trust Him at His Word. We need to push through the doubt and the logic and the fear and the shame and the pain and put our trust in His name. You see, it's not the amount of faith that we have in ourselves. It's God who pulls us through. It's okay to trust God and say, God, I'm, I'm doubting right now, but I'm going to trust You because it's not the amount of our faith. It's the power of His faith as we trust Him. That's why we're here today. That's why we're growing as a family. That's why the body of the Christ around the world is praying for one another at this time, these difficult times. We need one another to come together out of love and put our trust in His name. The name above every name. Heavenly Father, we ask that You quicken these things to our hearts. We ask that You take this Word, this seed, plant it deep in our hearts that it would take root and bear fruit. Lord God, for those of us who have not given our hearts to You yet, we thank You that Your Word is searing and touches us, not to shame us, but to open our hearts that we might trust. That we might take that step to step out in faith, to push through whatever's held us back from trusting You. To push through our doubts, our fears, our logic, our shame, or our pain. We thank You, God, that when we reach out, we will be restored. We stand on the truth of Your Word. Just like that man with the withered hand. May You restore us. May You bring us close to You. May You hold us close to You. We thank You for the power and the love and the grace in Your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.